Good evening, everyone. Welcome into the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt DeMarinas, sitting here as always with Megan Epperson, and we're going to break down Creighton's uh, they had a midweek match this week and just a two-match tournament this weekend at the Omaha Challenge. They went to Lincoln to play the Huskers. Uh, the Jays had a shorthanded weekend, obviously without nor assists. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but they got two wins. They swept Omaha, beat previously unbeaten Iowa State in four sets, including an impressive rally in set four to close that out. Uh, and they're currently still the only team to take a set from Nebraska so far this season, despite uh, no nor assists in that match, although that might come to an end tomorrow because Nebraska's playing at Stanford. So we'll get to see... You know, we'll get to, Nebraska's going to have their toughest test of the season tomorrow. So as of we're as of right now, when we're recording this podcast, they still have only lost one set, and that was to Creighton. So, um, yeah, let's jump in. Megan, how was your week of volleyball following? It was good. I there were a lot of good games, including the Creighton games. I thought this week, and yeah, I don't know, busy week. This time of year is really fun, and it's crazy. They only have one more weekend of non-con, and then it's into conference play, so it's kind of crazy how fast it goes with the tournaments. It um, is crazy. Yeah, but it's been good. I don't know. It's that's, been entertaining, the, I thought. I love this sport, though, because the best always play the best. You know, that's been going on for years and years and years. Like, the top teams always play each other. They don't duck each other. They just they always want to see who's the best and who's who, and test themselves it's really like it's really unlike any other sport you know volleyball doesn't have like cupcakes right you just get you just try to find the toughest tournaments you can find the toughest teams you can find and and you know see what's what right yeah i think i mean even us just going through the opponents that creighton plays this weekend seeing who who they've played and that sort of stuff and it's just a fun comparison. And I think the the beginning of the season, it's like you turn on a, a match every other day, right? And it's just yeah. a good team playing another really good team. So that part of it's really fun. Like you said, other sports, like usually they play, you know, lower level competition, but volleyball likes to see where they're at pretty quick, I think. And they're mm-hmm. like, all right, what do we got to work on? And we'll get really exposed with all of the issues we need to work out as as the season progresses early on here. For sure. I love it. Uh, so let's dive into this uh, very interesting week, probably the most interesting week of the season for Creighton, right? Because, um, you know, the 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 Lincoln match down in the match against Nebraska down in Lincoln was, you know, it was really highly anticipated, obviously. Uh, and Creighton had been playing some good volleyball. Nebraska had been playing really well. So that the buzz was there for it. Uh, you had a record crowd at Devaney. Um so that's, I think, the third time in the last four years that Creighton and Nebraska have set some kind of attendance record. So that match is clearly a, a big deal every year, and this one was no different. However, there was a bit of a uh, gigantic curveball thrown right before the match when Nora Sis was scratched from the lineup. Obviously, Creighton knew she wasn't going to play, I think, 24 hours prior, maybe longer, a little bit longer. But no one, no one like in the media section was tipped off to it. So we were all like, "What's going on?" You know, and people like Nebraska people were like, "Is is Nora usually does Nora ever not start?" I'm like, "No." So there's not a reason to keep her out of the top six. So you know, she does everything: pass, serve, block, hit. Um. So if she's out, there's a reason, right? And so we found out the reason is obviously an ab strain. So that's. I mean, they're they're calling it day to day, right? Just because it's 
but in volleyball terms, it's week to week because you only play once a weekend, right? So it's really not day to day for volleyball. It's week to week. I know people are kind of like, I saw people and people get excited that it's only day to day, thinking that she might be back tomorrow, but they don't play tomorrow, <laughs> so it's it's week to week. Um. So yeah, I don't know. What was your reaction watching the Nebraska matches? You found out when you found out Nora was not going to play. Obviously, the broadcast had more information than any of us did in the arena. So uh, that changed the tenor of the match, right? Did it change? It certainly changed the way I was going to evaluate the match. Did it change the way you were about to evaluate it? Like that's that's a big deal, yeah. For sure, I think. I mean, she carries so much load for the team, like you said, like passing, serving, blocking, hitting. I mean, she typically has the most attempts offensively on the team. So of all of your pieces to lose, um, her and probably Kendra, obviously, are the two that you're kind of a little bit worried if you lose either of those two. So, yeah, I thought, I mean, people have to step up, obviously, and Destiny went from getting no playing time in the beginning of the season to kind of being in that right side slot to getting pulled out of that spot a little bit, you know, like competing for it. And then she's like, full go. All right. Like you're an option, right? Like you're one of our number one options tonight. And I think she handled it probably as well as she could. Like, I mean, it's just a big match to be in. It's a lot of load to carry against a really good team. Like if it was a lower level team, you know, maybe you get some rhythm going, but Nebraska just shut down any rhythm. Creighton wanted to try to get in that first and second set, honestly. And I think the score reflects that. And Nebraska's side out percentage I mean in those first two sets it was 88 percent or yeah 88 percent 85 percent so I mean you just can't compete with that right like that's just insanity to be performing at that high of a level and Creighton in that third set obviously flipped some things around and then they got their side out percentage up from being in 30s and 40s to 70 percent so things were going a little bit better for them then so I thought from that standpoint it was nice to see them work their way out and you know just me sitting after the first two sets I'm like man like Nebraska is just absolutely killing us but knowing Kirsten and knowing her players like state of mind right I was like this third set is going to be a tipping point like she's going to have them ready to come out and fight and compete better than they had been and I thought they did that yeah that's I think that's the prime takeaway from this was was Creighton's response out of the locker room to come out in three and not only like make it more competitive but they had to stave off like a late Nebraska rally. Like the, you know, the, the gym got buzzing. Creighton had to burn a timeout. Nebraska started, I think they went on a three, one, they won three out of four rallies to kind of nip it, bring it to two and put a little pressure back on Creighton's side of the net after they had gotten rolling a little bit. So Creighton had to be at their best, you know, with their personnel that night to win that set. And I think that was a big deal. I think it was a, I think it was, even though they lost them, even though they lost four, that was a competitive set too. The first twenty rallies were, you know, it was a side out game essentially, and then Nebraska, you know, won six out of the, out of seven rallies to to get a little gap there, and that basically stayed that way the rest of the set. So that was a big run for the Huskers to separate. But basically, from game three out of the locker room through midway four, it was it was a tight game. You know what I mean? And Creighton played a lot better, a lot higher level, and I think that. It's, you know, it just, it, I think it's going to breed a lot of confidence into them in any situation now because you played arguably the best team in the country in the toughest environment in the country. We talked about that last week. Without your, without one of your, like, like you said, there's two players that are 
irreplaceable on this roster. And Creighton did not have one of them for this match. Like, that could probably shake your confidence a little bit, make you question some things, make you wonder, like, how good are we right now without Nora? Like, what what can we actually do out here against this this team? Who win a set and be the only team, be the first team to do it against that squad? I think that's a that's a that's a boost of confidence. I think it has to give you some confidence to know that you can that you are deep, that you all the stuff you've been saying in the offseason about, you know, how competitive things have been in the gym and and how tight you feel like these position battles are, it probably got reinforced a little bit in game three, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I thought, you know, Creighton played their best volleyball of this entire match in that third set. Um, so it was just good to see them respond and like you said, it's, I mean, your backs are against the wall. Like you're playing in a tough environment. You did not play well in those first two sets. You're trying to get new people in the lineup and have success, um, you know, in those different uncomfortable positions for people. So I thought, you know, people stepped up the best they could in the positions and the ways that they were asked. So that was good to see. And then I think, I mean, it helps them, I thought, this weekend, you know, in these most recent matches, just getting a little bit of rhythm. Like if you can go out and perform and you can start not playing well, kind of work your way into it, you can figure things out, you know, for these other teams this weekend and just even gel together in a game environment with the lineup that you have on the floor. Because, I mean, you had people next to each other that aren't typically in those positions playing next to each other in game situations. That's actually been happening a lot this year, too. So I think Creighton got a little bit or is starting to get comfortable with just plugging in pieces and like, letting, you know, just seeing what's what, you know, because I think that's Kirsten has mentioned that multi, Kirsten Berthold both has mentioned that multiple times now this season that she's had to get a little bit out of her. I don't know if comfort zone is the right word, but definitely out of her normal operating procedure, her standard operating procedure as a coach in terms of how deep she's going into the bench, how many times she's switching people in and out, you know? Because I think I think she knew it was a deep team, but you also know who your key cogs are, right? Like, you know who the players who, who, are, who have been in big matches for you and have performed in big matches for you. So those are the ones, as the season goes along, you trust them more and you give them a bigger load as the year goes on, right? This year, it's been different. Like, you've seen... Uh, more than a handful of players step up in situations, whether it's a DS, uh, a server, or, you know, someone coming in and providing some offense. I think, you know, even 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 at setter, they've had mm-hmm. some interchangeability there, you know. Um, not to the point where Kendra's going to lose her job or anything, but to the point where you're getting Audrey Clark some meaningful reps, right? Some in-game, high-level, high-intensity, high-pressure situations. And just kind of seeing how they perform. And so far, I think all of the preseason chatter about how truly deep this team is, is has played out so far for the first three weeks because there's been moments where each where, where a lot of players have had to kind of answer a question or two. And I think that's good for a team in the long term, even just in this season. Yeah, I think so. And I think the thing that's cool about it is, at least from my perspective, like Kirsten will throw people in and I feel like it's more of like a feel for her. She's like, all right, who do I need at this moment, right? Like who's going to hit a really aggressive serve when we're down or who's going to provide a spark, you know, like subbing your setter out. I think that's a big deal. Like you don't see that happen a lot. And I think when Audrey Clark has come into games, she's made a difference. She's made a really positive difference. And I think that's really cool. 
And it's almost just like that energy. And I feel like she's comfortable enough with, you know, most players on her bench to do that and say, all right, who's going to bring really good energy? Who's going to bring that spark that we need to get our team out of a rut? And there's been many times where they've been down points and they're throwing new people in and they've come in, done their job, taking care of things. And then you kind of flip it back to your original starting lineup. So that's something that I don't think you see on many top teams, you know, if at all, um, at least I haven't really, you know, this year, it's, it's usually a switch of one or two people, you know, for some coaches, but I think she's comfortable in a lot of positions just to give people time and give them opportunities to go in and kind of trust their training and just put things into play and positively impact the team. Yeah. And usually when you see the changes you're referring to, it's with offense, right? Like if, if we have a hitter who's just a little bit higher right now, switch them out, let their let their backup kind of get some swings and provide an offensive spark, right? You don't see, like, multiple DSs, multiple setters, multiple, like, your serving rotation going six, eight, seven, nine deep, right? Like, that's your mul- multiple right sides. Like, there's – it's not just offense that has been switched out for Creighton this year. It's been every every phase of the game they've brought in different players to kind of spark that phase – and that, like like I said in previously, I think as the season goes on, I, that experience is going to be big for those players throughout their careers. That's that I think that goes without saying. But this season, I think, is going to breed a lot of confidence into the into the entire squad because a they're always going to know to be ready because they've already been pegged multiple times throughout this early part of the season to know that hey. It could be any moment, you know, so you're going to have a whole roster of players locked in at every single moment. Just if their number gets called, they're ready to go. And as the season goes on, if you do have an injury or two or do have some adversity you have to go through, you know, once those matches start getting really pressure packed when you're talking Big East, you know, regular season title race, Big East tournament, NCAA tournament, having like multiple options beyond just your beyond just your key cogs is going to be huge for this group. It's going to be huge. Yeah. And I think like you said, you never know when you're going to be thrown in. And there were many times in my playing days where somebody got thrown into serve, you know, the fifth set in the NCAA tournament and they just come up with huge aces, you know, or just get people out of system. And like those times you're doing it in less pressure packed matches now, but you never know down the road in a couple of months, if you're thrown into that situation, then you have that confidence because you've done it before you've been in matches, you've been down and that experience, like you said, just can pay dividends going forward for everybody. Big difference when you're coming in, in the fifth set where you're, or the third set where you're up nine and you know, you're just wrapping up the set and giving your starters a rest (laughs) versus down 15 12 in a in a you know a, a match swinging game three and you know you're just seeing who can spark the thing and get you guys rolling like it's been a much different experience for that that second and third you know wave of players in the rotations for each position and I think it's it's I don't I don't remember a year like this where they've had this much uh production this deep into their bench before especially this part of the year um usually you get those reps like big East play when they start steamrolling people and um, you know, the, some of those third sets just are kind of like academic. Then you get multiple people, some game reps, you know. But this one's this one's interesting. So that's something that's worth monitoring throughout the year to see, um, you know, just how much that experience pays off. 
So yeah, that was the. I think we just. I don't know if we were talking about all Nebraska match there, but that's kind of what we were on is how they responded without Nora. Um, the Iowa State match was, or the Omaha match was an interesting one too because both those matches in at Baxter Arena had a similar type of set that Creighton won. In against Omaha, it was game two, where I think they were down twenty four twenty two, and had to rally and only needed a couple extra points to to win it, but they were able to win it. And then they came out of the locker room and just punched like punched the Mavericks right away. Like never let them, never let them. Once once Creighton took game two, I think they kind of took UNO's mojo with it because they didn't let them get any of it back. You know, they just they pummeled them in game three and made it. Made it a wipeout, really. Um, but you, you know, you saw Kiana Schmidt have a great match after, after she, you know, her, she struggled with her efficiency against Northern Iowa and against Nebraska. You know, she hit four sixty two against the Mavs. Uh, Destiny Don Simpson was killer four twenty one eleven kills. Um, Ava Martin did great as a six rotation. You know, so you can see that Ava's confidence got a little bit better, right? Like she obviously got served a lot in Lincoln. She got targeted a lot in Lincoln. They tried to make her handle that first and third contact and it affected her offensively right so for her to bounce back 14 kills 35 swings nine digs you know that was big for her you could see that she's kind of getting more comfortable as that six rotation uh outside with Nora hurt right because that was the question mark like is Ava ready for that um so I think that was a big match for for those three in particular because it got Kiana's mojo back after two matches where she didn't hit as well as she's been hitting all season, Destiny used the Nebraska match as a springboard to have an efficient match offensively against Omaha. And then Ava Martin, you saw her kind of put it all together with, you know, good defense, good ball handling, and efficient hitting, and, and a, you know, and a high, uh, high offensive output as well. You know. Yeah, I think you you pretty much hit it on the head. I thought, I mean, this was a good confidence builder, and I thought the way they came out on the third set was great to see because a lot of times, like, obviously, it's just a natural feeling, I guess, like maybe let up, like you're up two sets, uh, mm-hmm. two sets of, and I think they were up 14 to two at one point. Like, that's just crazy in a third set. And then I thought they honestly kept their foot on the pedal too, you know, because they've been up some and they've let teams kind of crawl back in, but it was good to see them kind of just put their stamp on it and say, Nope, we're going to take care of this, this one quick and get it over with and kind of move on to our next match. <laughs> yeah. And the Iowa state one was the big test, right? Like, cause that's the one where it kind of, I guess if you were in the player's mindset, and you, you know you lost to Nebraska, right? Which I guess, you know, Creighton's never beaten Nebraska in the regular season. So I think you're kind of trying, you know, you're not expecting, you're not putting that in the win column. You know it's going to be a dogfight, right? You know it's going to take your best effort to win it. So losing it isn't a killer. But I think if you bookend this week with losses to Nebraska and Iowa State and you only beat UNO, you probably feel some type of way, a different type of way, confidence-wise, going into your next week, right? Because then you have High Point and then Minnesota. To a one, a High Point team that's a perennial NCAA tournament team under your former um, coach, Ryan Meek, and a Minnesota squad that, you know, it's just it's tough to win in that gym. Um, they're an upper, upper, upper-tier Big Ten team, a national title contender, um, you know, a tough team that's a tough team to get out. So you're looking at, three losses potentially 
four in a five match stretch going into conference play. Like it could have, it could really be a gut punch to your confidence, especially when your stud is hurt right now, because then you could be questioning a whole lot of things. Um, you know, how good are we, you know, you start to panic without your stud and you just pray to get her back as soon as possible. So winning the Iowa state match, like that had to be a huge deal for Creighton this weekend. Right. Like did, and did, did, did they come out when you saw like the first two sets and, you know, how everything played out and the things they were doing well, did it look to you like they were treating that match as a must win? Like it was in the must win category. I thought so. I mean, I thought they came out ready to play. Like, they came out ready to compete, I thought, and were being aggressive with everything that they were doing and taking care of that little stuff. I thought they passed really well in those first two sets, and then it kind of broke down a little bit as the match went went on, and then they kind of got it back, I thought, like passing and everything. But, no, I thought, I mean, the way that they came out was good. And like you said, I mean – the way they played against Nebraska, they, they didn't play well, right? Like, that's the hard thing. It's like, if I'm going to lose, at least, like, let me play well and let me compete. And so I think, I mean, you know that in this match, Iowa State's going to be a really good team, and they hadn't lost a match all season. So, you know, I just think you have to be ready to go. And even though this this weekend of UNO and Iowa State maybe didn't have, like, the headline, right, of, like, Nebraska or we played Minnesota or somebody that's, you know, ranked and all has all this hype about them – I think they know, and Kirsten, I'm sure, reminds, you know, every every day of like, all right, these these will help us if we win, but it could potentially hurt us if we lose, mm-hmm. you know? So in that Nebraska match, it's like a win would be amazing, right? But like a loss isn't going to hurt us at the end of the day. So these are the things you really need to take care of. And I thought they took care of it for the most part. Yeah, for match. sure. I was really impressed with how they came out because I think the thing with Iowa State is, you know, you know the the battle is going to be. You know, serve and pass is going to be kind of where the battle is, like that, especially in that match because they have multiple offensive options, just like Creighton does. But without Nora, Iowa State's probably got more of an established offensive identity. So if you let them kind of get in system a lot, and you don't serve tough, and you're not nailing your serves, and um, you know, you're just making it easy for their setter to kind of distribute the ball to multiple options, that's going to be an uphill climb. You know. Um, so I thought the way Creighton came out and just dictated from start from the first, like from start to finish in sets one and two, you know, like Iowa State was behind the eight ball, chasing the match the entire time, those first two sets. And I think Creighton just set a good tone. And you could see it with their play, too, because the one thing that I, thought I was really impressed with was even when Iowa State did get Creighton out of system, Creighton found a way to terminate some tough balls. Like, you know, if Kendra was a little bit off the net, when Kendra's on the net, like that's, I mean, if Kiana's anywhere near, like that's going down. Uh, you know, Ava and Destiny are gonna find a way to get the kill. Like, and Kendra's dangerous offensively, right? So you're really looking at four options. But out of system, I thought Creighton was really good, especially in those first two games. Like, what did you see for them? And I know I, I asked him about it in the post-match press conference, and they, you know, how like players and coaches are is like, well, they were in system a lot, you know. It's like, well, I mean, I didn't mean it like in a negative way. It's just <laughs> When you're out of system, can you terminate, you know, because that's the whole key. And I thought Creighton did a really good job of terminating when they were out of system, even though they were passing really well. Those moments where Iowa State probably thought, oh, yeah, tough serve, let's go. You know, we've got them lined up. We've got our block set up. We're good to go. Um, You know, our defenders are in the right spots. We're covering well. And for Creighton to keep putting balls down out of system, I thought was kind of like a gut punch to Iowa State. Like, how do we stop this team, you know? 
Yeah, I thought they did a good job. I remember watching Ava a lot too. Like she just hit a couple right outside of the reach of their libero, just cut that angle a little bit more, right? Just outside of where she was set up. So I think things like that, they weren't like telegraphing where they were going to hit. I thought, you know, they made the extra move to drop my thumb down a little bit more to hit more angle, hit the edge of the block, you know, don't just go up and take a hard swing, like right into somebody's platform, but put a little bit of angle on it, make somebody move. So I thought they did that really well when they were out of system and just swung high, swung aggressive, didn't get into a tipping game or anything. Like those are the situations where you just want to go for it. And I thought they, you know, kept their foot on the gas pedal in those situations and just said, nope, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to make a really aggressive swing and make their defense move. And I think that's the big thing when you're out of system, like, Make the defensive player move, right? Like, don't make it easy for them to just sit there and read where I'm going to hit this. Just do something that they're not going to expect. Right, because the whole thing when you're out of system is usually you send what you send back over if you do, you know, get a good swing up. It's either a tip, a roll shot, something off-tempo. You know, it's not your hardest, most aggressive swing. And it usually puts the the, the serving team in system, right? So they can, you know get a hard ball coming right back at you to defend. And I thought that's the point you made right there was perfect because Creighton took hard, aggressive swings out of system. And you could see it through Iowa's defense, like out of their, you know, out of their rotations because they're scrambling to kind of keep the ball up. Right. So how key was the aggressive part of Creighton's mindset, even when they were out of system to, you know, hit a hard ball at the libero or DS and, you know, kind of make them shank that first contact and have to chase it. And, you know, when, when Creighton was out of system, they put Iowa State out of system, whether it was a kill or just something. They were aggressive with what they sent back at them, you know? Yeah, I think that's key because obviously in that situation, Iowa State has the advantage, right? It's mm-hmm. like I've got my blocker set up because we know where they're going to put the ball and then my defense can set up around them. I shouldn't have a hole in my block. Like those are the situations and dig transition where – Iowa State should have the upper hand, but I thought Creighton hitters did a really good job. Just like I said, like hitting the edge of the block, hitting different angles, not just going up and like, I'm going to sting really hard in in front of me, right? Like right Mm -hmm. into where the block and the defense is, but no, like I'm just going to change my angle a little bit. Like I'll drop my thumb or I'll have my thumb go up and I'll cut it across my body more. Like those are the things when you're out of the system, a lot of the times you're just, you know, trying to get a good swing on it, like keep it in system. But I thought if they had the opportunity, they went for the kill instead of just let's put it in play. And that's yeah. the cool thing to see. And I think they know that Iowa State is typically a really good defensive team and they're going to have that dig transition ball dug up and run their offense. And like you said, they have options. So if you can take away options, that's going to then help you when you're trying to play defense when they get that ball across. Even even uh even Sky McCune took an aggressive swing. Yeah. From her DS spot. You know, that I thought I had when to, she like, took double check. I was like, wait. I was like, oh, yeah, that was Sky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. There was like an identity shift in this match a little bit. Like you could see, I think I think I don't know if it's if it's it's because they don't have Nora or what it is, or if it's just because who they are and they're just getting comfortable. But you saw players play out of character for their positions. Because you saw late when Creighton was coming back in game three, uh, Kiara had a like a full extension dig. Six foot four middle blocker, like laying out on the floor to keep a ball up, right? That's out of character for a middle. 
Um, then you see Sky McCune as a DS, not just like bump setting the ball over the net and getting back on defense. Like she hit a shot to the donut, like which is the toughest pl- spot to cover, right, for a free ball. Um, and it was a pretty good shot. Like she hit with some tempo, some pace. Like I thought it was going to go down for a second because of how like low uh, it was coming at Iowa State. I'm like, oh, that's got a chance. Interesting swing by Sky. So you see this like Creighton was just being volleyball players out there, right? Like, you know, I'm a middle, I can't dig. Like I'm a I'm a DS. I mean, like, no, they were just they were just scrapping, you know? And I think that's what it I think that's what it takes sometimes. Like you just gotta be, you know, you can't just be so robotic, like, okay, these are my responsibilities, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, I'm not supposed to do that because someone else is supposed to do that. Like, and I think that's something they talked about after the Nebraska match was they kind of just learned, like, you know, we 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 have to focus on scout. Like, that's an important component of match preparation and winning. But we can't forget that we're volleyball players at the same time. Like, it's just a ball in the air. We know what to do with it. You know I mean? We know how to pass it. We know how to hit it. We know how to do whatever we need to do with it. Like, I think that's – I think you saw them learn that lesson a little bit against Nebraska – that's something they talked about, which was the difference in three and four versus one and two. And I think you saw them apply it in that Iowa State match where they just had to be scrappy and do things that are kind of out of their comfort zone for their positions, right? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you just have to play. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, middles don't typically play defense, but it's like you train that, you know, yeah. and Sky McCune, it's like, does she train to hit? No, but she hit in high school for years, you know. So it's just those things like everybody at this level is typically good at all the skills, right? Good enough yeah. to set a ball and place a ball, you know, good yeah. enough to dig a ball. At the end of the day, it's like you can't know, oh, this hitter's going to hit on me in this game situation. Like you just can't, you can't pre- predict what's going to happen, right? In every single game and what skill you need to whip out, basically, you know, maybe you don't practice it all the time, but mm-hmm. you have that in your back pocket and you're ready for whatever is going to get thrown at you. So I think that was a good example of that. And yeah, at the end of the day, like you've trained and you've done all the skills to hopefully be ready for whatever situation is going to be thrown at you. So people just stepped up and did what they could with, you know, the position that they were in, what they were asked to do and what responsibilities they they had that day. Yeah, it's like when a middle has to be a setter for a match, you know? It's just like sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Be a volleyball player. Set, play defense. I mean, I passed and played defense when I was in the middle, so whatever. It there you go. Exactly. I think, you know, the something that was interesting with the Iowa State match was that even when Iowa State, you know, started playing well in, you know, set three, obviously, and then early in set four to almost win that one and force a fifth is like, the thing that Creighton did, I thought really well was limit their offensive efficiency. And they honestly took out their key cogs too. Like, uh, you know, Maya Duckworth hit 207. Um, I'm going to butcher all these names. Naily Gonzalez hit 107. You know, Lily Wachholz hit 091. Like, uh, Jordan Hopp, who was Iowa State's middle, she came in hitting over 400 on the season and averaging, I think, just under two kills per set. But you know, she was a key cog for them offensively, and Creighton took her completely out of the match. Like, Iowa State didn't even play her in sets three and four because she was hitting zero, you know? Um, so I thought Creighton did a really good job of taking Iowa State just completely out of range of a comfort zone. It's not that Iowa State didn't have a chance, um, you know, because they did control three, and they did mostly control four before Creighton uh, took it over late. But, you know, they had to do it with players who you know, aren't their key cogs. So I think 
Creighton did a really good job of taking Iowa State out of their comfort zone. What did what did you see that allowed them to take away those key top options offensively and make Iowa State kind of go to contingency plans to get themselves back in the match out of the locker room? Yeah, I mean, I thought first thing was serving. I thought they served tough and got Iowa State, even if they weren't really out of system, they got them pulled off the net a little bit yeah. consistently, and that just helps neutralize things a little bit. I didn't really see their setter like forcing a middle right if she's off the net that much so those sorts of things I thought helped and then in the third set I thought it was the opposite of they had more options right and I thought Iowa State then served really aggressive in that set and then they passed well as well so then they had more options so it was just kind of the two different sides of that coin I guess and and she became an option too Morgan Brandt like she yeah she became an option yeah yeah, I think, I mean, blocking too, like they got block touches, I thought Creighton did in those first couple sets. And then after that, I mean, they, there weren't as many, I didn't think so. And that's just, you know, because they were in system a little bit more as well. So all those things kind of build into them being more consistent offensively and having options. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I always say I thought, I mean, they gained momentum too. And that was a big thing. They kind of gained some energy. I thought for those two sets, I wasn't sure what team was going to show up. And then that third, I thought they kind of had the momentum and the energy in the gym. Yeah. I thought the servant, I thought, I thought servant pass was like night and day from game one slash two to game three slash, slash yeah. most of four. Like I thought Creighton was, like you said, just making Iowa State play all over the court, not letting the setter get near the net, not letting her have multiple options, you know, really limiting their offensive flow. And then in games three and four, I thought Iowa State was the aggressor from the service line and Creighton was the one out of system more often. You know, you can really see that. Like, it's really weird because you feel the energy on the floor and you can tell which team is, like, not comfortable, right? So in games one and two – it felt like Iowa State was super uncomfortable the whole time. Every ball was, you know, every ball was like a grind to get to where they wanted it to be and to get, you know, their hitters in in good flow and good, you know, close to the net so they could terminate. And then it was the opposite for Creighton, right? You felt like they were kind of chasing the ball over and they were the ones kind of having trouble, you know, ball handling. Um, but you, like you mentioned in set four, when Creighton kind of started to rally, you know, they were down 20 to 15, is what they were down, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, 2015 and 2320 at one point. Um, so to finish that at 2624, like you didn't they didn't go very, you know, into into the bonus very much. But they had 10 block touches in set four, and most of those came late, and it was their best it was their best set of blocking, like from a block touch standpoint. They had uh five and one, three and two, seven in set three, and then ten in set four. Um and Iowa State only had four block touches in a set four, so it was a it was a wipeout in terms of who was getting touches at the net. Um, so what like what do you see change from you know twenty to fifteen on? Because that was they were Iowa State went on a good run to separate, and then it turned into a side out game for a little bit, um, and then they had a service error that kind of ended their run, and then and then Creighton kind of just took over. Like what did you notice there? I mean, I thought they stuck their passes. I thought in that third set, they were even a little bit hesitant to like pass the ball. And so I guess this isn't a huge difference, but that ball I thought was getting passed more like up and down and Kendra had to move more in that third set to come off the net and get the ball. And I thought they had their platforms out really early, angled down to push that ball all the way to the net. So they had options. 
And I thought they did those things from, you know, that's the beginning of the point. So the passers, I thought, put that ball on the net. And then Kendra had options and the hitters were aggressive, you know, and I really liked that. People took big swings um, and just executed well. And they played really clean. And I think that stretch of points was a really good example. Maybe the best example this season of them playing clean for multiple points and being able to catch up. I mean, that's hard. You're down big. Oh, yeah. So that's just emotionally hard, but for them to execute skill wise, just from the pass of the set to the, to the hitting and then blocking too. Like you said, if Iowa State got a good attempt, I thought they were there, had good block touches in their defense, passed that ball then again up to that net. So they had all their options and dig transition. Yeah. And, at the, and you know, the, 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 the crazy thing with this team's progression now is, you know, for the first two weeks, what were we talking about? We were talking about end game. We were talking about, you know, finishing, kind of having that mindset. And now we've seen them basically through the middle of that second week into this one where they've kind of like stolen sets. They had no business winning on paper, right? Like when you're down 18, 10, 2015, 24, 22, 23, 20, like you're not supposed to win those sets. You're supposed to maybe get a couple points, put some pressure on the other team, get some momentum for the next game, but you're not – those are not sets you should be winning. And Creighton's won like three or four of them now in a short span of time. So they've kind of flipped that script a little bit on, you know, are they, is there something wrong with them at endgame versus like maybe they have, you know, maybe they've had that figured out. Maybe they have some confidence. They have some swagger. They've got some killer, a killer instinct, you know, because like Iowa State had that thing wrapped up and we're looking at, you know, can Creighton put together you know, enough momentum for set five that they can transition into getting off to a good start in a game that's always a coin toss, right? But no, they just, as soon as they got to Iowa State, they ended it. You know what I mean? That didn't go bonus very long. They they they, they finished it. They they outscored Iowa State. They won 11 of the 15 rallies at endgame, which is like crazy, right? Because that's a huge shift in how that set's going because Iowa State's got momentum from three. They've controlled most of set four. And then for Creighton to win 11 out of 15 rallies to end it and not only close the set with a win, but finish off the match. Like where we were sitting was like, we had a good vantage point to Iowa state's bench and, you know, we could see their coaches faces and like, you know, kind of hear what they were saying to them. As soon as Creighton tied that up at 23 and Iowa state's coaches kind of went to the huddle and like basically, you know, had the, you know, what this is going to, how, what we're going to do here, you know, I'm telling you, that was over. It was a, it was, I didn't want to like say it, but it was like, it was a wrap because you can, if the coach's body language is, is shook, the players are going to feed off that, right? Like, if your coach doesn't believe that we're going to finish this out, like they're seeing something really concerning, you know what I mean? So that the fact that it only went 26 24 doesn't surprise me because I think once Creighton got that even, it, I think it shook Iowa State up pretty good. So if you're talking about, you know, a season where we're like, you know, where what's with the question marks with Creighton at Endgame versus now they're putting a team in total meltdown mode? Like that's a pretty significant flip, I think, in terms of who you're at, what your identity is in pre- high pressure situations. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and the the thing I like is there were multiple players that scored, yes. right? Like yes. it wasn't it you know it wasn't like oh who are they gonna set we know they're gonna it wasn't go to like a Nora sis heater right it was like yeah it wasn't like executing. yeah going to Nora like let's yeah. just really block and go out there I liked that 
multiple people got involved offensively and all of them were aggressive. And that's going to be huge, I think, going forward. Because, I mean, there's going to be times where you're in tight sets and, oh, who do we trust? We only trust one person? No, we trust any of our hitters. And I think that was a good example of, hey, everybody at endgame can do this and they can perform. And it was just, it was cool to see because they really hadn't had that situation, you know, this season where multiple people were asked to put down big swings, you know, and just Mm -hmm. be involved in these really big points for a huge comeback. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And because and I think because you know what it does. Like cuz you know that I mean you talked about you talk about offensive unpredictability all the time, right? Like we you know, we think of it as parity like cuz you have multiple options, but parity kind of goes out the window when you're looking for like the game enders, right? Like normally you're like, okay, time to set the time to set the studs and finish this thing out, you know? But to your point there like where multiple people had to execute with you know, Courage, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? You have to be aggressive, fearless, and, you know, live with the result. That takes a significantly strong mindset to do that in a high-pressure situation, right? So I think, to, you know, to your point, like, that's that's huge for them to all have the confidence to do that in that situation when they know that it's on the line if we don't execute this, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I mean... It's a great confidence, I think, for people, especially to know your setter trusts you in those situations, too. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as you can say, oh, I trust all my hitters. Like, do we trust all our hitters at endgame? You know, exactly. That sort of thing. Like, you can say it all you want, but if you're not going to set me or you're going to be predictable, like, is the trust really there? And I thought Uh they showed what we're talking about. It's, you know, it's true. Like, we trust our, our people, everyone that's out there to put away the ball and I mean, they did it. And I think that part too is a really good confidence builder of, Hey, we did it. We came back, we fought back. Everybody was involved. Everybody stepped up their game. We played really clean and we got our way back into this match. And then you won the match in that set. Right. And don't go to a fifth because like you said, anything can happen in a fifth. So mm-hmm. anything to avoid that is great. Right. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's just big time because it's like, it's like you said, when you, when you have full faith, not only as a setter in your hitters, but as a hitter in your setter, that she'll give you the ball in those situations. You run your patterns with conviction, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like, because if you think, all right, we're at 21, 22, 23, ball's going to Nora, you know, ball's going to Jay Lee, ball's going to Jayla, like, you don't run those patterns as a middle and a right side with conviction because you don't really believe you're getting this ball. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know where, you know where it's going. And the defense also does because, they know you're not you don't believe it because you're not running the pattern with full conviction so they know how to set up like that just changes the whole game right there because if you make a defense have to defend you straight up and actually have to like protect the net and plan for three options maybe four options with Kendra being you know aggressive in her own right like that's that's really hard right then you're if you're on tilt then and you're really your confidence is shaken and now you have to really see everything in front of you and not just the left pin but that's 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 really daunting for a team that's trying to, you know, settle itself down and and get the match back under their control, right? Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, there's multiple times, obviously, as middles, it's like the ball gets set over you and you're yeah. trying to pull the block, but there's nothing better than knowing like, all right, like, thank you for pulling the block, right? Like if your outside hitter tells you, oh my gosh, great, great job pulling the block because the blocker jumps with you and they have a hole and get a one-on-one. I think those are situations that 
you want to be an end game. You want to make that middle blocker be on tilt, like you said, and be like, who are they going to set? Because they trust everybody and everybody can put this ball down. So yeah. it's just that that part of working together, I guess. You know, everybody, you get that perfect pass on the net and then you have all your options. You're pulling blockers one way or another. You're making people guess where it's going to go. And then you're putting over a good swing and getting the point. So that's like the ultimate teamwork in those situations of just playing, you know, really clean volleyball and getting everybody screaming and yelling and seeing mm-hmm. if the blocker will kind of bite on it, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And the distribution will go into what we we're going to talk about next with Kendra Waite and the season she's had so far. But just to break it down numbers wise, you know, against Omaha, Anne Marie Remus, Kiara Reinhardt, Kiana Schmidt, and Destiny had. Uh, looks like 44, 63 of the 110 swings. So that's good disparity right there because, you know, even as a key cog for Ava, that's just 10 sets, a, uh, just over 10 sets a, uh, a set, essentially. And then, in, you know, in the next one, you know, Ava had 50, but, you know, Kiana had 27 attempts for a four-setter. That's pretty, that's a lot for a middle. Um, Kendra called her number 15 times. Destiny had 35. Anne-Marie had 18. Um, you know, you got Kiara and uh Ellie Bickelmeyer with 11 combined. Like, it's a pretty good distribution when you know, and to, to reinforce what we're talking about about unpredictability offensively. Like, it clearly looks like Kendra does have you know, whether whether it's full conviction or not, because like you said, sometimes it's just more it's easier to say than to do, but but it actually is showing up on paper with how many players are kind of getting opportunities to put the ball down. You know, you're seeing a a diverse offense with this team. Yeah, and I think, I mean, she trusts her middles. You know, she trusts right sides. Outsides, of course, are going to end up with a lot of balls, typically more than everybody else, just because there's a lot of junk balls out of system. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it looks good, and I think consistently match to match, she's done a really good job of spreading it around. And, you know, whether or not somebody's having their best night or not, I think they still get the opportunity and – um, she kind of kind of plays off of that too, and I think she does a good job of figuring out who's in a rhythm and maybe hitting them a little bit more. And you know, if somebody's kind of on fire, you just have to do that. So there's been situations, you know, people have been like that this this season. And Kiana was a really good example of that in their most recent match of just she was putting balls away. And so mm-hmm. we've got to find her, you know, as much as we can, just because I mean, she came to play today, and I think that happens a lot. So. Yeah, I just, you know, it's been a really good distribution and it's good to see the trust, but also the execution by the hitters. Yeah, for sure. And Kendra, like, you know, she's, it really feels like she's kind of taking that next step to, you know, because you always think that junior and senior year is where players are super comfortable, right? So if you're a stud, it's going to elevate. You're going to, you're going to be without a doubt like one of the best players on the floor every single night on a consistent basis. And I think that's what we're seeing out of Kendra. Now it's less, you know, it's less erratic and more just like steady Eddie, you know, what you guys like to say. Um, And this week she was, it was no different. Like 1.8 kills per set, just under 10 uh, assists per set, but that's mainly the Nebraska match carrying that down. Um, you know, over three digs per set as a setter, over a half a block per set. She's hitting 440 this weekend, this weekend, this week, which is crazy. Um, you know, and then her numbers this year are across the board 
either as good or better than they've ever been in any point in her career through nine matches. So, you know, she's taken that step. And I think it's, you know, John Cook gave her some some really lofty praise after Wednesday night by calling her a first-team All-American and, you know, just the things that she's able to do and the way she impacts the game in multiple phases. Um, I think, you know, we're kind of maybe at the beginning of a special kind of ascension for her in terms of, you know, the type of career she might end up having because she's she's dynamite right now. She's on she's on fire. Yeah, she's and like you said, she does so many things, so many different aspects of the game. And that's a thing that's super impressive, right? Like her role as a setter, obviously huge, but the way she defends, the way she blocks. You know, the way that she just does all the little things and runs Gosh, the way she ended the Iowa State match, like, that was incredible, right? Yeah. That's hard. That's not – that's a one-of-one move, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, she's just – she's incredible, obviously, just so well-rounded, and I think that's the thing that's so impressive. And, I mean, it's hard to think of another person that does everything at such a high level in every skill category, like, as her, right? Like, I don't know who you would compare her to in the country, even, you know, across. Yeah. NCAA Volleyball have somebody that impacts the game as much with all of the skills. So that's just, it's cool to see. And it's it's fun to watch her play defense, right? Like, it, that's not oh. even her primary job. It's just really fun to watch her play defense and watch her block and just do all these things. And then at the end of the day, like, her – her role is being the quarterback of the team as a setter too. So yeah, yeah. she just, she just does everything. And I think that's, that's the fun part. And she's just, she's a gamer too, and she's super competitive. And I think those, that's why fans just like love to watch her play volleyball. Yeah. I think, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I've heard of multiple people have told me if she wasn't a setter, she could be a libero. And it's yeah. like, and then if she wasn't either of those, I think she could be a blocker you know, and she could be a serving specialist. Like every part of her game has gotten better each year and you see her having an impact now, you know, as a freshman, she wasn't really impactful from the service line, but she was really great defensively. And then, you know, she's gotten better at setting. She's gotten better at serving. She's gotten better at blocking, like all of it's coming together. And I think that's, I guess, I guess as you're, when you have a setter that can do all of that and cause you know, that person's going to be on the floor all times and, they're going to have the ball a lot and they're usually going to be kind of dictating how that point goes, right. Based on, you know, how they handle it, where they put it, um, whether they call their own number or, you know, get a great set to a, you know, a back row, a middle or whatever it is. Like how much confidence does that have? Does that exude throughout the rest of the team when your setter can, you know, check all the boxes with at a pretty high level, like that has to have some, a ripple effect throughout the whole roster, right? Like we go yeah, and she goes she, kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she's somebody that obviously sets the tone um, in the gym and on the court for the team. And I mean, I think you trust her, right? Like let's give her the area to dig balls. You know, you don't do that with every single setter. Sometimes no, setters yeah. have the liability of like, they're not the greatest at defense. And I think for her, it's like, we're not worried about covering space for her or taking, you know, areas and that sort of stuff. Like she'll get in there and she'll take care of it herself. And she's that like steady personality on the court as well. You know, just beyond what she does, obviously like physically is incredible, but 
Yeah, she's just a huge impact. And I mean, we talked about her and Nora, obviously, like those are the two. It's like you take them out and it's like, what do we, who do we put but, in yeah. those positions? Yeah. Like there is not a replacement for what she does on the court, just with all the skills. And that's the cool part of her game and watching her game get better in every skill category, right? She takes a step forward and that's been really fun to see as well. Yeah, because that you just know she has that drive to be better, you know, like. I think the thing with the greats is like, and you know this too, personally, like you're more competitive with yourself than you are with anybody else. Like you don't fear because you have that, you don't fear anyone else. Like, so you're the, you drive yourself, you know, and that's how you succeed because nothing on the other side of the net bothers you when you know you're your own harshest critic, when you, you know, your own competing with yourself to try to be a better version of yourself every single day to be that 1% better, you know, than you were yesterday. That's the if that's the driving force, nothing on the other side of the net matters to you, right? Like, you know that mindset. Like, is that that's kind of what we see right now, right? Like, she's competitive with herself, and that's how she gets better. It's not, it's nothing. Whatever's on the other side of the net doesn't matter to her because she feels like she's one of those players who feels like she can control every aspect of how this match is going to go based on how she plays, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And obviously she's in the position to be on the court full time and mm -hmm. really impact how the offense, like she runs the offense, right? So she is a huge instrumental part of how well this Creighton team can play and will play. So from that standpoint, yeah. And just, I mean, I think most players too, it's like you're, you're a perfectionist and you're trying to strive for that. And you know, most players that I played with too at Creighton, it's like everyone wants to like be perfect and be better and get better. And that's the fun part of having teammates and people around you that are going to drive you. And she's mm -hmm. one of those people I'm sure that drives the team to be competitive, whether it's on the volleyball court or in the weight room or in the classroom, right? Like she's one of those people that's just super driven to be the best she can be in every category of life, every skill of volleyball. And that's, that's why she's so successful probably. Yeah. Speaking of someone who's just on fire right now, Kiana Schmidt has not had a uh, – I don't know what you would call it. Like last year was a big year for her. It was a career year. And that extra year can kind of like go one way or the other because sometimes you can put too much pressure on yourself to, to you know, replicate that, and then maybe it affects your play a little bit. Uh, she's playing better than she even played last year. Like so that's, that's kind of scary to think about because – I don't know. I found myself thinking at some point, this might sound a little crazy, but I found myself thinking during the Iowa State match that, like, Kendra and her feels like a setter and an outside. Like, how much trust Kendra has in her. And I've just never seen, like, I just don't think I've seen a middle get to become such a consistent part of an offense. You know what I mean? Because so many things have to go right for the middle and you know, to even have it to even be an option in the first place. But you see, you know, a middle get 27 attempts in four sets, like she could have easily gone, you know, to 35 or 40 if that goes extra. Like Kendra clearly trusts her and Kiana clearly has a lot of confidence in herself right now. And I don't know, it's it's entering that territory for me because it's weird because you just don't see middles get set that often, that frequently, that consistently. But Kiana's like in that mode right now, you know, where she's she's like almost the number one. When you look at her efficiency, it's hard to argue that she's not the number one option offensively almost because she puts the ball down. It's not just 
you know, you don't just need her to hit 500 on eight or nine swings. It's it's 15 to 20, and she's hitting, you know, I mean, she's had, she hit 519 against Iowa State and had a career high 16 kills. She tied her career high. It's the fourth time she's hit over 450 this season already in nine matches on 10 or more swings. It's the 20th time she's done it in her career. And last year, at this point in the year, I don't think she had done it at all yet. Maybe one time. So she's already way eclipsed the start she had to last year. And, I mean, when you match her efficiency with her volume, it's crazy to see. Like, she's playing at such a high level right now. Uh, Marissa Wilkinson is, like, the only, you know, middle right side offensive option that's kind of in her realm right now. I think Marissa was at... Marissa was at 2.9 kills per set and hit 369 in 2017, the year you guys came off the Elite Eight. Like, Marissa was on fire that whole season. Remember that? Um, You had a great 2018. You were at 2.5 kills per set. You hit over 300. Um, This year, Kiana is at 262 or 2.62 kills per set on 332 hitting. And if you take take away... um, you know, the Nebraska match was just kind of like the outlier there. Like her, she's up to like 370 hitting percentage, you know, like she's just killing it right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, things are going well for, for that connection. I think it continues to get stronger and that's, you know, something we've watched over the past year and a half too. And it's just been fun to see kind of that progression. Um, I, I just think she fits the offense really, really well. And it's good to have a middle that you trust and mm-hmm. can be efficient can take a lot of swings and get a lot of kills and I think yeah like you said that's something that's missing a lot of times in offenses um you have more of that pin driven offense but to get a middle involved to be able to move them around a lot and use them in different places I think can open up offenses so it's it's been fun to see and that slide just continues to get better and better for her that's crazy how hard is that to defend especially when you have someone who can terminate it that that efficiently like because I know teams are on it. Like Iowa State had, you know, four hands in front of her. Like, but it's just, it's just like the angles she cuts, the height that she's able to hit the ball at, you know, it's just, it, I don't know. Like teams are kind of like, at, they better just hope their, their DSs can dig it because, you know, she hits it at, she hits it so hard and at such a tight angle that you have to be in the right position to stop her. You know, she doesn't get blocked very often. And, you know, when she does, she usually tools the block. Um, you know, I mean, she, she, she gets kills off liberos consistently every match. Like that's not supposed to happen. Usually when you hit the libero, that thing's going up. Right. Um, I I don't know. She's just incredible right now. Like what makes her, what makes her so effective, especially on that particular set? I mean, I think the big thing just offensively is spreading the defense and spreading the blockers. Obviously, it makes it hard for that middle blocker to close when you're going pin to pin. And then you have Kendra as an offensive option as well. So there's a lot going on there. Um, But then, yeah, her swinging, I mean, she elevates well. She hits that ball. It's hard to track that ball sometimes on the slide and um in the post-game interview they talked about dropping that ball inside a little bit and kind of mm. messing with the blockers going inside to outside of where's that ball actually going to be contacted and that part of it can be hard because that ball can float or drop in and 
it's just hard. I mean, obviously she's chasing the ball. Like when you're doing a slide, you you want to chase the ball to the pin and then you basically like turn your entire body in the air. So mm-hmm. it's just different than any swing because typically a hitter is going to see the ball and then take their approach straight into where that ball is going to land. Right. But yeah, it, it's just hard. I mean, it's hard to track as a blocker and um, you have a lot of options as a hitter. And if you elevate well off one foot and can really like torque and turn your body and hit angles I, I just think it's hard it's hard to dig it how hard is it to do like when when you talk about the degree of her ability to adjust to that ball in the air because like you said you're chasing it so it's not always in the same spot every time right you know the tempo's different the spot's different the placement's different how when we're watching her terminate that over and over again like how incredible is that to someone who's done it before like how how truly high degree of difficulty is that kind of set when Kiana's doing what she does? Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, I, and I don't think it's natural for everybody. I think that's the part of yeah, it is like right? some days it's natural. Like for me, like I wasn't very good at running slides, you know, it's like, I just wasn't my thing. Like it just it wasn't a natural, I guess, feeling for me, but it's like something that mm-hmm. she does really, actually well and jumps really well off of one foot. So yeah, I just think, I mean, it's hard, obviously, to kind of know where that ball is going to land. And, I mean, you've seen some missed connections on the, that slide this year of, like, okay, like, we're not exactly sure if the ball's too tight or if it's really wide and that sort of stuff. So there's a bit of a high degree of error of mm-hmm. where's that ball going to be and can I chase it and get there and get to the ball and contact it in time. But, yeah, I, I just think, I mean, it's hard to kind of master. And that's why I, you don't see everybody on the team doing it at a super high level, right? Like you usually have a yeah. couple people maybe do it naturally and they do it well and jump well off of one foot. But yeah, it's impressive. It, it really plays to her strengths too. And I think, I mean, that's something the coaches have done well, right? It's like, all right, your strength is hitting slides. We're going to put you in the rotation where you've got that, that area to run and you're going to run slides and help the team in that way. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Destiny to Dom Simpson, true freshman. You know, we talked about it a little bit to start the pod, but you know, hit 242 in Lincoln, had 13 kills. I think she led the team that night. Uh, hit 421 against Omaha. So she came, you know, to her. I mean, the in state kid brought it against the two in state rivals. Like, but in situations where she probably didn't expect to be, you know, in that kind of role going in. So, how hard, how impressive of a week did Destiny have? you know, stepping into a role that, you know, was obviously going to lead to her getting more opportunities without Nora um, and being effective at the same time in two matches that, you know, meant a lot to the in-state kids in particular. Like, to see her not be, I guess, overly aggressive to a detriment, right? Because you could put a little bit, you know, trying too hard to be, you know, awesome for for the in-state <laughs> matches, right? Like there's there's a part of that too, but she I think she was really good, like in both of them. Yeah, I think she she played within herself, right? Like she didn't try to do anything like you said. She didn't try to do anything that was like way outside of her capabilities okay. or be the superhero to the team. Like she just had to play her role well and be consistent. And I thought she did that. Obviously, I mean, she just hasn't had that consistent like on court playing time this season. And that's a hard position to be in as well, just building yeah. confidence. So especially in that UNO match, I thought, I mean, she looked good. She 
had really good efficiency, I thought, for an outside. And so those sorts of matches, I think, help build that confidence and just put you in in-game situations and against a different defense to try to figure out, you know, what's available and carry a load in, in a big game. So those things, I think, you know, maybe it's not as much skill-wise, but just mentally, just the, the confidence um, and everything that kind of builds within you. And that's something she'll need because obviously it's like we don't know what's happening with Nora and if then she'll step into a right side slot, you know, if Nora comes back. So I just think any experience she can get in game situations is going to serve her really well this season and for many seasons to come, hopefully. Yeah, we got to give some love to the defenders, too, because, you know, Ellie Bolton was pretty steady all weekend, too, or all week, I should say. Um, I'm not quite sure what her passing numbers were, but she only made one reception error, you know, in all three matches combined. Um you know, had 20 digs against Omaha, 18 against Iowa State, led a pack of, you know, DSs and six rotations with 10 plus, um, averaged 4.4 or 5 digs per set with only one reception error. That's pretty good out of your libero, you know, like that's that helps set a tone too because, you know, she's the high energy kid. She's the fierce, like, on court presence that, you know, you see her emotion more than you see most of the players on the court's emotion, right? Like she's kind of like that emotional barometer for the team. Um, so for her to get set a good tone defensively and passing wise and, you know, make help create and win those areas of the game to be successful, to have a two in one week and be successful and, you know, notch a big resume win to cap it off. Um, just more great. I think presence is probably the best way to put it. Cause she's a leader. Um, she's a performer and she's an on-court kind of like energy barometer, right? So if you're looking for the pulse of the Creighton team, I think Ellie's kind of a good one to watch at all times because it, I think you can see on her face and her emotions kind of how the night's going for Creighton. I think it'll tell the whole story. And I think she had another good weekend, don't you? Yeah, and I think, I mean, she does it obviously in serviceception, but she also does it from the service line. She's been one of their best, most consistent servers and put a lot of pressure on teams. So, yeah, I just think, I mean, she's she's doing a really good job all the way around and all the skills that she impacts the game. Um, and like you said, only one service reception error. I mean, that's huge. She anchors mm-hmm. that defense. And for a team that has a lot of DSs coming in and out to be that steady Eddie person in the back row, just commanding, you know, the passers and defense is really important and she does that really well and then provides energy too. And I think the personality that the team needs just, you know, with all the different personalities and on-court temperaments of people, I think she provides that, that spark for them that they really need. Yeah, for sure. And I want to give another, uh, I want to give another tip of the cap to Kiara Reinhardt too, because I don't think a lot of people are going to look back at this weekend and think that, you know, just they're just probably just gonna look at her offensive numbers and just think that, you know, she wasn't a a main factor in it. But I don't. This might be a little bit over the top, but I don't know if they win the Iowa State match without her. Because like, you know, if they if they drop four, five's a coin flip, right? Like you know that. Like five can go either way. It doesn't even matter how you're playing at that point. If you're in a fifth set, you know, like 30 something rallies is quick. That happens fast. You know, you can be down and. If you get down three or four in set five, like you, it's hard to, it's hard to flip that, you know. So, um, that race to fifteen is is tough, and I think her play at the end of four, 
she nailed serves repeatedly, particularly to uh, Maya Duckworth, who's Iowa State's like big time stud, right outside. Like she nailed her like multiple times on, I think zone four, right or zone five, and then Iowa State moved her over to zone one, and she hit her again. So like the she hit multiple zones, multiple seams, targeted the same player, and it got Iowa State kind of like you know, out of system, off kilter because she was targeting their main offensive option. And despite Iowa State's attempts to kind of move her around and and make it tough for maybe Kiara, like, you know, they, they think maybe if I move her across the court, like Kiara can't nail that serve, right? Like she's only comfortable with zone five, right? But she nailed zone one and five and, you know, got Iowa State off kilter. And then in that same sequence of, of rallies, like she had the diving dig, like, that kept a kept a ball up. I think Creighton won that point to tie it at. I think they got within one, or maybe that was what the that was the tire, the 23-23 point. Um, but those were big time moments because you know, if QR doesn't nail those serves and she doesn't come up with that dig, you know, stuff that's not gonna always show up on the stat sheet. Like a dig is just a dig, but the type of dig she had was incredible. And the serves she nailed were incredible. She didn't get any aces for them, but she she messed Iowa State up pretty bad with them, right? Um, you know, that could have been the match right there. You know, that could have decided it. So I think she had a really big impact in a in a small little window there to give Creighton another huge resume win, don't you think? Yeah, I think she stepped up, you know, when she was asked to, and like you said, the dig and those things that are maybe not her typical assignment on the court, but mm-hmm. she took care of it and gave them the opportunity. And I think just giving your team the opportunity to score points and put in a good aggressive serve and get people out of system. I mean, those are huge things and they don't show up on the stat sheet, right? That you got them out of system, but it's huge. And it just allows your team to fight back and get back into that set and then eventually win it. So I think, I mean, you're spot on those contributions she had at big moments were huge for that, that match and helped build confidence within the team to then win that set in the match. Yeah, so Creighton, I mean, Creighton sits a seven and two right now through nine matches, same record they were through nine last year. Um, they have high point on Friday at 5 p.m. That's on Big Ten BTM Plus. Both matches this weekend are on BTM Plus. It's called the Diet Coke Classic, is this tournament's name. So just straight up branding, not not I think the Big Ten's all branding, isn't it? They don't call their tournaments anything fun, do they? Because what was Purdue called? Purdue was called the Reamer Club Extra Special Premiere. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> it hurt my soul to type that into words. Like this is that's <laughs> like that's not even a fun name. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Diet Coke Classic is better. Diet Coke Classic is definitely better for sure. But it's like you got Reamer Club Extra Special Premiere, and then you have Blue Jay Invitational. Like that that's an identity. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, like that's a Creighton tournament. Got it. And then you have the Omaha Challenge. I know it's MH Hospitality Omaha Challenge, but. They made the turtles throw Omaha in there, so there's some identity there, right? Diet Coke Classic, that could be any tournament across the country. Like, that doesn't Good. differentiate, but that's the tournament Creighton's playing in this weekend, and it's uh, both matches are on BTM Plus to close out non-con. So High Point, you know Ryan Meek. Um, you know that High Point program's been, you know, really good. It's been kind of like the Creighton Pipeline program because Tom Mendoza, a former Creighton assistant coach there before, Ryan Meek did. Then Ryan Meek took over when he went to South Carolina. Went to South Carolina, so it's kind of like the Creighton feeder program for assistant coaches right now. 
Um, and then they have the big one against Minnesota. You know, you've played in that gym before. You've played against that team. Um, you know what kind of a dogfight that's going to be. Um, so what what do you think this weekend represents for Creighton? Going in 7-2 and two, uh, with another chance to add not only one, but two resume wins, two resume building wins with, you know, the latter being a, you know, upper tier Big Ten team that's probably going to be in the top 10 for the entire season. It will be a good opportunity. I mean, we talk about obviously like wins that can help or hurt you. And I think this high point win can potentially help you. You know, you take care of business and you hope that high point goes on and plays really well in their conference. And the last couple of years, they've, they've performed really well in their conference. So that'll be a good opportunity. And then obviously you don't want to overlook them before you play Minnesota and Minnesota will be a toss up. Their gym is loud and it'll be a really good environment for Creighton and Obviously, personnel-wise, you don't know if you get Narcissus back. So, you know, are you with the lineup you have the last weekend or, you know, so what's sort of the situation? So I think there's some question marks there for Creighton. But, I mean, if they come out and play their play their game and play good defense, have the offensive parity that they've shown that they can have, I think they'll have a good chance. And, yeah, it'll be a good – it'll be a really good tournament, I think. I think it'll be a good weekend for them and um, two two really good teams, on you know, just for this year and um, good opportunity before conference play because that's – you know, we're almost there, so it's been going quick. And, yeah, I, I, a good win this weekend, hopefully two wins, at least one win, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And last year they were in the same position. They split that Rice tournament. They lost in five to Rice, beat K-State in four. And that eight and three, you know, non-con that got them, you know, enough of a, you know, enough juice on that resume to give them another chance to host. So like that's Creighton's in good position right now, even without this was a big week without Nora. Like it could have gone sideways real quick. Um, because you know, when you're looking at set two against Omaha and you're down 24-22, you know, if you let them get some confidence in their own gym and you're coming off a loss and you don't have no assists, like that could have gone sideways on you. And, you know, same with Iowa state, you know, if, if they win, if they don't, if they, if Creighton doesn't pull out four and they go to five where anything can happen, like the margin of error wasn't so big between Oh, and three and two and one. And I think that's, what's really impressive about what Creighton did this week because they were shorthanded, like massively shorthanded without one of their top studs. Right. Um, one of their irreplaceable players, and they came out above 500 with a big resume win. Like get, Iowa State, it was their first loss of the season. They were seven and zero going in, and they got ranked off of it. Like that's that's crazy. To you know, they were six and zero or five and zero and not ranked, and then they, you know, beat Iowa, beat Omaha, lost to Creighton, and got ranked. So, um, it was a huge win. It was a huge week for Creighton. I think with to do that without Nora. Because you really don't know what what to expect, like at that point, you know, when you like, all right, we're gonna take Norris this away from you for Nebraska, Omaha, and Iowa State. Like, you know, you're playing two NCAA tournament teams for sure. So, and you don't get to have your one of your two best players without, you know, for them. That's that could be a nightmare. And I think Creighton turned it into something else. I think that's pretty big, right? Those are huge. Yeah. I mean, just looking between playing Nebraska and then up to Minnesota on their schedule, I think those Omaha, Iowa State wins are huge. And 
obviously you don't look at it and you're like, oh, great, like we won, but like that's a big deal. Yes. And that's going to be a big deal at the end of the season, along with this high point team that they have to play. Mm-hmm. I think that other one, if they can pick up a win there, I think, I mean, you've done your job and you've taken care of business as far as like RPI and everything like that. And obviously Minnesota, Nebraska, those are teams that are going to be ranked. They're going to be good all year. It's not going to hurt you. It could help you, but it's not going to be a detriment to your season or your RPI or future seeding or anything like that. So these three between the big like headline matches are, are really, really important. And they've taken care of two of the three. So hopefully that third one, they'll take care of business in Minneapolis. And plus, like that, you could argue they're in a better position than they were last year because last year they didn't have a win like they like Purdue, you know, at all. So, like they didn't have a win away from home like they do against Purdue right now. And Purdue's, Mm -hmm. you know, Purdue's beating Marquette, beating Kansas, beating Kentucky, like that. And that win's only going to get better because that's a young team, you know. So they're only going to get better too. So having a true road win in that gym, like that, that's going to be a huge one that's going to carry out all the way to December. So, and, it, and to your point, like, one and one against Purdue and Minnesota, Nebraska, and you didn't have nor assist for one of those matches, like, it kind of makes the Minnesota one, uh, you know, no one on the team would ever say this, but it's kind of gravy because you could just go and do your thing, be aggressive, go for it, because you, you, you have more of a margin for error with your resume to play with because of the wins you've already notched. You know, Northern Iowa is going to be a great win. I think Loyola is going to be a great win. I think Iowa State's going to be a great win. Purdue certainly is going to be a great win. Um, I think Ball State's going to be a really good win as the year goes on. So, like last year, Creighton went into went into uh, where does Rice play? What's what city is that? I don't even know. Is it Houston? What I is? Think it's yeah, they went into yeah they went into Texas uh, with some pressure, right? Like they felt like they had to sweep that weekend. I remember coming out of it like they kind of felt like they let an opportunity slip by because by not winning that rice match they felt like their their resume could like have some holes poked in it because it didn't have you know a marquee like win on it essentially like usc was probably the most i guess you know high um what's the word i'm looking for highly touted win i guess if you will right then you got rolled by kentucky um lost to nebraska in five Like, there wasn't really a Purdue-type win on that resume. So now they already have one of those. So I think they're ahead of schedule resume-wise from where they were last year. So High Point in Minnesota, you can just be – you can just let it rip this weekend, can't you? Like, you know, because those are just, like, more, you know, like icing on top of the cake you've already made, right, essentially? Like, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, I think to an extent. I think the High Point – I think that's the question mark. I think that's one that if you look back and you lose, I think that's one you'd like to have in your back pocket as a win. Yeah, for um, sure. Good point. Minnesota, obviously, like, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, they're probably going to be good. They're going to be in the top in the Big Ten. So at It's, the win, the it's day, win-win, essentially, right? Like, if you win, yeah, it, like, awesome. If you lose, okay. You can it's on. awesome. Great win. I mean, to go into conference play with potentially two – wins over ranked teams I think would be huge in big 10 teams whose RPI are only going to get better and better by mm-hmm. playing other big 10 teams I think would exactly. be great but yeah I mean I just think the high point that high point match is going to be important I mean 
you but like you said you and I I mean looked incredible I thought just I mean based upon their past years I thought man they are going to be really good in their conference and probably Mm -hmm. win the conference if not contend for the championship of their conference and yeah I mean these teams that maybe aren't ranked right or have that like name that you're just like whoa right like I think they're Mm going to be great Ball State and you and I those are going to be really great wins for them because hopefully they do great in their conference and pick up tons of wins so yeah, yeah, I mean, like, well, if you think about it, if you beat, let's say, like Loyola and um, Ball State and you and I and High Point all do what they're what they usually do, right? Then you've beaten four conference champions. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. If you win those matches, yeah. if, you win, if you beat if you beat High Point on Friday, you essentially have four potential, like not unrealistic, but potential conference champions that are be in the NCAA tournament on your resume already. So like if you're if you sit there on selection Sunday and throw that resume at a committee and they're like, okay, well that team's in the tournament, 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 Creighton's beating all of them. Throw in Purdue, who's probably going to be upper division top five Big Ten. And then if you beat Minnesota, definitely top five Big Ten, top three probably. Um like that's that's a pretty solid like Duke's not winning the ACC, but Duke's piled up some good wins since beating Creighton, and that was a tight competitive match. So that loss isn't killing you. The Nebraska loss certainly isn't going to kill you. And if you go one and one this weekend with a win over High Point and a win and a loss to Minnesota on the road without Nora Sis, if she doesn't play, you haven't really lost. You haven't really had any losses that are just killers, and you've notched big wins. So this weekend has like there's not. I don't think there's a ton of a ton of pressure on Creighton this weekend. Obviously they're not going in to lay an egg, but I think they've done a lot already. Like, you know, when you look at the potential like conference champions, they've beaten already. It's certainly like ball state, you and I and Loyola are all favorites to win their leagues this year. And so is high point. So a win on Friday gives you four, four wins over NCAA tournament teams for, you know, what you think are for NCAA tournament teams. Then you add Iowa State and Purdue on top of it, who will probably be in as well. That's six six of your eight non-conference wins are against teams that will be in the field of 64. That's huge. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it is huge. And I feel like looking at the schedule before the season, I was like, oh, like, you know, like whatever. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that. It doesn't have the, like, sticker shock, I feel like, right? Of, like, the Sticker names. shock. That's pretty good. I like that. I, I don't know. That. I feel yeah. like that's the feeling that I got when I looked at it. I'm like, oh, they're not playing, like, you know. But, I mean, looking at the wins and after watching them play, like, it's going to be huge. And I think the schedule set them up really well, you know, for later down the road when instantly yeah. selection happens and all that stuff. And we'll hopefully have them really prepared for conference play as well. For sure. That's right around the corner too. When's your, you're calling some games this year. When's your first one? When's your first assignment? Um, oh gosh. I think up on that? John's is the first one that I'm doing. So you're, you get the Big East home opener then, huh? Is that your first assignment for the year? I think that's the, oh yeah, it would be. September then. 29th, 6 p.m. Flow Sports. Flow Sports, yes. Yeah, nice. Okay. So, yeah, this weekend, Diet Coke Classic in Minneapolis, High Point, Minnesota. The High Point match starts at 5 p.m. on Friday. That's on BTM Plus. And then the Minnesota match is the next day at 4.30, also on BTM Plus. And then the Jays will be on the road at Butler and Xavier to open conference play. And then our very own Megan Epperson will be on the call for St. John's 
the Big East home opener at 6 p.m. on Friday. So that's what's coming up for the Jays. Gosh, Marquette's almost on the schedule too. How about that? We'll talk more about the Big East next week. Um, we did a little bit off 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 air for a second, but we'll we'll give we'll give everybody a chance one more week to get their stuff together, and then we'll talk about them as we get conference play rolling around. So that's all from us tonight. Megan, any last thoughts? Did you, did you get it all out of your system? Take some aggressive swings tonight. <laughs> yeah, aggressive swings. I don't know. Be ready to watch some good volleyball this weekend. Creighton games and I'm sure some others. So it'll be a good weekend. Yeah, for sure. It's always a good weekend because, like we said, volleyball teams aren't, aren't afraid of each other. Um. So, yeah, last weekend of non-con. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, more Creighton volleyball talk um, after High Point in Minnesota. So for Megan Epperson, I'm Matt DeMarinas. This has been your Creighton volleyball weekend wrap up. Talk to you all soon. Have a good week.